can get your Bible if you want to go there. You listen, you don't have to leave these altars. I can preach with you right here praying. It will, it'll make me happy. I, I don't know that I'd be any happier than to be preaching while people praying. I want to read a, a segment of a story here. I'm reading from the New King James Version today because I'm feeling extra sanctified this morning. I tried to read it from the old King James, but I get too confused, too quick, too easy. This is a this is a sermon that I wrote in my notes out, part of it, about five years ago. And I've never preached it. But here we are. Say it's time. It's time. This is what. 2 Kings chapter 3, starting with verse number 13. It's going to read four verses, and then I'll pray. Then, then I'll preach as the Lord helps me. Come on, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Come on, let's honor the Word of the Lord. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. He's talking to Jehoram. And his mom and dad was Ahab and Jezebel. You guys remember them? They gave Elijah a little bit of a hard time. And he says, what have I got to do with you? Why don't you go to the prophets of your mama and daddy? I'm southerning up a little bit. He said, no. For the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand. Surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, add that to the list of names to not give your children. If it were not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not even look at you. That's some strong words, isn't it? It matters who your friends are, don't it? You need some friends in your life that if somebody don't want to have nothing to do with you, maybe they'll have something to do with them. And for some of us, you are that friend. <laughs> he said, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I wouldn't even look at you. And in verse 15, he says, but now bring me a musician. We got any of those in the house? Any musicians out there? Hey, raise your hand if you play an instrument. Raise it real high in the air. Don, take note. <laughs> Chase them down. Listen, if you out there and you ain't up here helping lead us into worship, the Lord needs to get a hold of your heart. Amen. <laughs> He said, bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played. Can I just tell you what's happening here? As he began to worship. That as the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Which is the weirdest, among the weirdest commands in all of the Bible. He says, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. Aren't you thankful that things in your life, when you look at them and they look hard and they look complicated and they look like they would never work out to the Lord, it is nothing but a simple matter. This is a simple matter on the side of the Lord. Verse 19, 
Also, you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Because that's how God works sometimes, right? You might be praying for a long time and you might be hoping for a long time and you might not see anything. You might not see any rain. You might not feel any wind. But suddenly, one day, it just seems like God just came through somehow, some way, some, some, somehow. Suddenly, water came by the way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Father, thank you for your word. God, help me to unpack this story in a way that makes sense. Help me to say the words that you would have me say to honor you with every thought that I think, every word that I speak. And God... I know I could preach the best sermon in the world, but if it lacks the anointing of your spirit, it is absolutely worthless. And so, God, today I am not depending on a sermon that I've read and memorized. Lord, I am depending on the power of your spirit to speak to me and through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody give the Lord another hand clap of praise. You can be seated this morning. The year is 1995. How many was around in 1995? Yeah, good deal. Looking at you, Monica. Missed, what, 97? All right, yeah. The year was 1995. I had just left my Aunt Jackie's house where I had been gifted by her an incredible gift. I had received three VHS tapes to go along with my new VCR that I had been given to, for Christmas by my parents. Anybody know what, everybody know what a VCR is? Yeah, come on. I feel the Holy Ghost in here now. I had received three movies. The first one was The Great Sandlot. Can I get a witness in the house? The second one was D2, The Mighty Ducks. I had never seen the first one, but the second one was pretty good. Um, and I had, it was a, there was a dark horse there. I had received another one called The Field of Dreams, or Field of Dreams. Everybody remember The Field of Dreams? What was the iconic quote in The Field of Dreams? If you build it, they will come, right? Well, I want to tell you today, if you'll dig it, God will feel it. I, and I said that on purpose, not, not feel it, because that sounds too, I'm talking about feel it. Everybody say feel it. <laughs> if you dig it, God will feel it. Because God is a space filler. God forms and then God fills. God created the earth, right? At the beginning of creation, the earth was formless and without void. He began, to, he began to create things in the earth. He created light. And then what did he do? He began to fill it, right? He filled it with vegetation. He filled it with animals. And eventually, he filled it with humanity. But speaking of humanity, what did God do with humanity? God, the Bible says, what did he do? He didn't, he didn't speak humanity into existence, did he? He he, form, he, he molded, he formed, right? But then, but then, Shane, what did he do after he formed Adam? He breathed the breath of life into him because God will fill what God forms. God will fill what God forms because he is a space filler. And God wants to fill in the gap between your vision and your limitations, because here's the thing, we look at limitations as a problem. 
God looks at our limitations as a promise for Him to show up in the middle of our limitations. You know, we look at what we can't do and we think we're weak. God looks at what we can't do and He says, oh, I'm so glad they need me. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. Listen, did Don, Don wear y'all out up here worshiping? Did, did you get tired? It, it, do I just have the scraps of what's left over after the worship team gets done with you today? I don't, that's not, that's not going to work out, y'all. God, God feels what he forms. You got three kings. You got Jer- Jehoram. I, can't, I can never say it right the first try. So y'all, forgive me. I'm trying not to say any cuss words this morning accidentally with some of these things that I'm saying. So y'all pray for me. And if something comes out wrong, listen, the gr- grace, his grace is sufficient. Can I, can I get a witness in the house? You got Jehoram. You got Jehoshaphat of Judah. And then you got the king of Edom who was not um, big, a big enough deal to have even named his name. And remember, Jehoram was the son of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And so after the death of, of Queen Ahab or Queen uh, Jezebel and King Ahab, the, the king of Moab, his name was Misha, and the king of Moab, he, he decided to invade Israel. And so Jehoram reaches out to Jehoshaphat because he needs a friend. He needs an ally. So you've got the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, and the even further southern kingdom uh, of Edom. And if you've got a Bible with maps in it, like this is a good, like, that's why these are that's why those are there you can actually look and you can see that these were and are real places and and real people who lived in these real places and so Jehoram reaches out to Jehoshaphat and he reaches out to the king of Edom and he says listen Moab is about to invade uh, Israel and you know if he's going to invade Israel it's just a matter of time before he invades Judah and it's just a matter of time before he invades Edom so even though we don't us three we don't have anything in common even though we're not really, we're not really on the same team ourselves, uh, you know, nothing brings people together better than a common enemy. Right? Come on, that'll preach good right there. Listen, the, the best thing you can have in an office space is, is one person that everybody hates. And you will have such unity. Now listen, if that one per- listen, you might be thinking that person needs to get fired, but as soon as they get fired, then, then you might be next. Because nothing brings people together better than a common enemy. How many of you know, and I'm, and I'm being sincere, how many of you know we have a common enemy today? Who seeks to steal, kill, and to destroy us. And, and one of his favorite things to do is to have us fight amongst ourselves. To attack each other so that we're not focused on being able to attack him and to fight him. So they decide to attack from the south. So they, they basically go down below Edom, and then they want to come up through Moab and attack through the south. But this means that they've got to go through the desert. This is what verses 8 and 9 say here in 2 Kings chapter 3. Then he said, which way shall we go up? And he answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom. Now, when you, when you read word, the word wilderness in the Bible, more times than not, it would be the equivalent of what we would call a desert. So we're going to go up by the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route, going around, going around through Edom, so they could come back up and go into Moab from the south. So they marched on that roundabout route for seven days. And there was no water for the army. Listen, I can't preach a 40-minute long message and not get thirsty, y'all. But there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. So they ran out of water, and they got desperate. Now, how, now here's the deal. When, when we start, when things start drying up, that's when we start getting ready to give up. 
And, and for many of you, and, and hopefully maybe, maybe the moment that we had in worship earlier really began to stir some things in your heart, but you might feel like you're in the middle of a desert with no water. And I just want to tell you right now, don't give up. Don't give up on what God has promised you. Don't give up on what God's called you to. Don't give up because it's hard. In fact, when it starts getting hard is a lot of times when you're really starting to get ready for a breakthrough. Like when, 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 the, when the tide gets its lowest, right, that's when it's getting ready to turn and become a high tide. Come on, y'all. You, Don, you wore them out, brother. I had to take my jacket off. I, I felt Don said, you know, we look like twins, but only one of us can be DeVito. So I had to get rid of that jacket. And if you didn't get that reference, you're too young. And I am not DeVito. Even more importantly, <laughs> just because I have to roll my sleeves up, I am not giving up. You know, I, when I was 18, I prayed, Lord, help me grow. And he did, but it was the wrong way. <laughs> so be careful how you pray. Be specific with your prayers. You might feel like you're in the middle of a desert. You might feel like you don't have any water. And you might be ready to give up. But I just want to tell you right now, if you don't hear anything else, you just keep holding on to God's promises. You keep holding on to the one who is faithful and true. You keep holding on to the one that's really, he's the one holding on to you. What he wants to do in you is greater than what you're going through. And a lot of times, he will send the Moabites to attack you so that you will have to depend on him in a way like you've never depended on him before. And it's when you depend on him in those kinds of ways, that's when your relationship with him really begins to grow in new and profound ways. That's when you begin to see God work in your life in ways that you didn't even know were possible because you were starting to realize that I cannot do this on my own. I cannot make it on my own. I can't accomplish this on my own. Whatever it is, I am not enough, but I know the one who is enough. And I have concluded, yeah, you can give the Lord praise for that. Are you not? Whatever. <laughs> Shekiah. Listen, by the way, next Sunday, Shekiah, I want you in the middle of the platform. During work, you just dancing. You just dance, okay? You just go. I'm show, show him what's up. I'm about to make you do it right now. Please don't. I have concluded that in my life, that if I don't look around every so often, and feel like I am 100% in over my head, that I am not doing something right. That I am not where I need to be. Because either I am not doing enough for the kingdom to threaten the devil, and he's leaving me alone. Listen, if things are going well for you right now, you're probably not doing something you need to be doing. If your life is easy peasy, lemon squeezy, I would venture to say that, that God would say, listen, what are you being so sleepy for? What are you being so tired for? What are you being so inactive for? Because I have come to find, figure out that, that bad things happen to people who do good things. And I know that sounds so backwards, but it's the truth. And it's in those hard times, it's in those challenging moments that God shows himself strong, that God shows himself able. And if I look around in my life and I do not feel out of my depth that I am not doing something that I need to be doing because I'm not threatening the devil and I'm not, I'm not furthering the kingdom of God. You know, it was the Spirit of God that led Jesus into the wilderness. 
It was the Spirit of God that led Jesus to a place of temptation, to a place of trouble, and to a place of pain. So either when I'm not feeling in over my head, either I am not doing enough to threaten the enemy for him to worry about me, or I'm not being led by the Spirit into challenging areas of life. When I was 15 years old, I wanted a family and I wanted to preach. Those are my two greatest desires in life. I wanted, I wanted a family. I wanted a wife and kids. And I wanted to preach the gospel. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't, know, I didn't know Saul in the Old Testament from Saul in the New Testament. And at 15, even though at the time, I'm talking to any teenagers in the house today, I thought I was ready for family. But I wasn't. I got married at 23, and y'all still need to pray for my wife. I wanted a family. I wanted to preach. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I kept following Jesus. I kept, I kept depending on him. I kept showing up, and then, I, and then I would mess up, and then I would repent, and God would continue to show me grace, and God would continue to fill in my gap. Next week, I turned 30. It's a week from today, isn't it? Turn 37, not 23. I'll take 23, though. 23 would be great. Um, but I, I'll turn 37. And I'm ready to lead a church and to be part of a church that leads more and more people to Jesus, as well as builds other churches that lead more and more people to Jesus. I'm not ready to just do it this year or next year. I'm ready to spend my life investing in that mission and in that calling that I believe God has put on my life as well as this church. I don't exactly know how it's all going to happen, but I know who is going to make it happen. I know, I know who is going to fill in the gaps where I don't have any, anything to contribute. I know who will show up in the middle where I don't know what to do. Elisha said, I love this, he said, bring me a musician. The King James says, bring me a minstrel. Bring me somebody that knows how to play some music because I have got to worship for a minute. Because, you know, the three kings showed up and Elisha looks at two of them at least and he says, y'all, I, I hate you. I mean, that's basically what he says. And I love that. It gives me so much freedom in how I feel about other people. And he says, I don't like you and I wish you weren't here. But because Jehoshaphat's here, let me see what I can do. Bring me a musician, he says. And, and, and the musician begins to play. And Elisha begins to worship. Now, if you get in my car right now, if you, if, you, if you spend any time with me where we're listening to music, I, can I just tell you, I don't know anything that's current today unless it's in the Christian worship world. And people are like, oh, is, is it because you think secular music is sinful? Can I just be honest with you? I love Guns N' Roses. I love Johnny Cash. I love ACDC. Listen, any country music that was, that was recorded pre-2001 is magnificent in my heart. But anything after that, that's not country music. I don't know what it is, but it's not country music. And you know it, and I know it, and we know it. I love old country music. I love Patsy Cline. I love Conway Twitty. I also love Dr. Dre, okay? I'm sorry. I said it. I said it. I will own it. I have the edited versions downloaded on iTunes. And there's not a lot of song left after the edited versions. But I try to keep that other stuff out of my spirit. I'm just saying. You okay? You all right? 
I like music. I love music. But 9.9 times out of 10, if I am listening to music, it is going to be some form of worship music. And it's not because I think that non-Christian or non-worship music is sinful or bad. I think any and everything can be worship under the Lord because worship isn't about a song. Worship is about a posture of your heart. I can worship God just as much singing, what's that new song, that there's the Disney song, the, um, we don't talk about Bruno, never heard, I don't really know, are you okay? You got something wrong with your neck over there? <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno, I can worship the Lord just as much listening to that song with my daughters in my car with them because worship happens when somebody does what they were created by their maker to do, right? So when I am raising up my kids and I'm having fun with them and I'm building a relationship with them, I don't care what you say. I am worshiping the Lord in that moment because I am doing something that he created me to do. But more times than not, we're going to be listening. Here, where my phone? I got, I got one right here. This is what we're doing. Are you guys okay? Y'all ain't in a hurry. I'm telling you, you ain't got nothing better to do today. Normally, normally when you get into my vehicle or with my children... Let me fast forward a little bit. You better not get more excited now than you did during praise and worship. Y'all can keep clapping, though. All right. I got, I can't make my phone stop now. And the reason why you almost always will catch me listening to worship music is because I need something from the Lord all the time. Can I just be, can I just be real with you right now? There is very little parts of my day where I am not like, oh, God, please help me, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help me to be a better dad. Oh, God, help me to be a better husband. Oh, Jesus, help me to pastor this church. These people are crazy. Oh, I need you, Father. Lord, help me. Get, oh, get that spirit out of my head. I don't want to hear that voice. You know, those kinds of things. And I, I, I surround myself almost constantly with worship music because I have come, and, and I'm, every day I become more aware of this. I need something from God. I need a word from God. This is, this is what he said. Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts live before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not even look at you nor see you. Man, can I just tell you again, I love that verse. It is so in your face like, that's what I think about you. But anyway, verse 15, But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played. There was some, another time when this happened in scriptures uh, when, when uh, Saul, King Saul, would be tormented by an evil spirit, he would actually have David come and play as worship unto the Lord. And that tormenting spirit would leave Saul. You guys remember that? Elisha says, bring me musician. And then it happened when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And listen, pretty much all day, every day, I need the hand of the Lord to be upon me. That's why I listen to music, worship music almost constantly. Because I have learned that worship of God invites a word from God. That's worth writing down right there. Worship of God invites a word from God. Because worship 
creates space for God to work and for God to speak. Because when we worship, we stop worrying about our need and we start focusing on the one who can meet the need. I said when we worship, we stop worrying about the need and we start focusing on the one who can meet the need. And you know, wor worry, all worry is, is worship in the wrong direction, right? Worry is actually, I, I would venture to say that I think worry is a form of idolatry because it's kind of worship unto myself. Because when I choose to worry and I continue to think about something in my mind that I need to be different or I hope that it will change, what I'm in essence doing is focusing all my attention on that problem. I'm worshiping my problem and I'm worshiping my ability or my inability to do anything about that problem. But when, instead of worrying, I choose to worship, I'm saying, God, you know what? I can't change that. I can't do there, I, 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 can't, I can't do anything about this situation. So instead of worrying about what I can't change, I'm going to focus the, on my attention on the one who can do all things. You guys excited today? You guys ready? And then in verse 16, after the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, this is what he said. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. And, and I just have to, you know, I don't know how you read the Bible. Hopefully you read the Bible. And the people who say, you know, I try to read it, but I just don't get anything from it, it's because you read it like a textbook and not like a living, breathing document. And you have to, you have to sometimes read between the lines a little bit. And, and, and let me just tell you something. If, if I go to a person and I say, Alex, I need you to pray because I need water. And Alex says, you know what? Monica sing. That's what he's going to say. Monica sing a song. And then he says, okay, the, the hand of the Lord. Monica's like, I'm not singing again right now. Don't make me do that. And, and he says, okay, Drew, here's the word of the Lord for you. Go dig a ditch. Can I just tell you that my first reaction is going to be like, no. <laughs> Number one, that's stupid. Number two, I hate digging. Number three, no. I'm not doing that. But that's what, that's what Elisha tells the three kings. He says, go and make this valley full of ditches. Now, if you look at the geography of the area, you'll actually see that it was a dried up riverbed pretty south of, of the mountains of Edom. And so, so there used to be water that flowed through that area, but it's dried up and it's now become a dried up barren valley. And so Elisha says, go and make this valley full of of ditches because and here's here's the truth a lot of times we want a word from God but the word that God gives us isn't the word that we want even if it is the word that we need it's not the word it's not the word that we want and he says dig a ditch make this valley full of ditches and you got I, I just got to feel like they probably said I you know we've been marching for seven days okay we're tired and we're thirsty and we're leading this military force and if we go out there and we tell them to start digging ditches, they will kill us. They will not be happy about that. We need to give them water, not more work to do to make them more thirsty and more tired. They're already thirsty and tired. And Elisha says, if you want water, go dig a ditch. Because digging ditches creates space, and it creates capacity. So the question is, how much water will God send? Say it again, AJ. 
how much ditch are you willing to dig is directly proportional to how much water God will send. So there's a, there's a few myths that, that need to be busted in the church and, and in Christianity today. The first myth is that God responds to need. But it's not true. God doesn't respond to need. If God responded to need, there would be no more needs. Because God would always meet those needs. God does not respond to need. God responds to faith. And the reason why the needs aren't being met where there are needs is because there's no men and women of God who would stand in the gap and believe and have faith. We look at things in the world and we say, man, you know, somebody should do something about that. Well, if you see the need, then maybe you should do something about that. God doesn't respond to need. God responds to faith. Myth number two, God will bless you according to your vision. Oh, if we just, if we just believe it. Let me, let me say it another way that might sound a little more familiar. Oh, I'm just, I'm just naming it and claiming it, brother. You've heard that before, right? That you know, and there, there is, and here's what, what makes that theology dangerous, is it's true, but it's not complete. There's nothing false about it. It's just incomplete. I do believe that there are things that God wants us to take hold of by faith, and we have to speak those things that are not as though they were. I do believe that God is waiting on us to, to, to tune in to his vision and his desires and that he is ready and willing to pour out upon us a blessing that we will not have room enough to receive. I believe that with all of my heart. But, but what is lacking is not vision. What is lacking is capacity because God will not bless you according to your vision. God will bless you according to your capacity to receive from him. And to steward what he blesses you with in a way. Because here's something that I am learning as well. God hates waste. And if you don't believe me, you just go read the New Testament. You go read the Gospels where Jesus gives out the parable of the talents. And remember, to one, to one servant he gave five, to another two, and to another one. And, and the one with five, the Bible says that he went away and he turned his five into ten. The one with two, he went away and he turned his two into four. And the one that God, uh, Jesus gave one to, or the, the master gave one to, he went and buried it because he was afraid. Uh, you know, if I go and I use this or I go and I invest this, I might lose what I've already been given. And, and so he comes back to the master. And he says, you know, I figured you to be a hard man. So instead of doing anything with it, I just hit it. So and I'm giving you back what you gave me. And can I tell you right now, God doesn't want you to give back what he's given you. He wants you to do something with it. He wants you to create capacity to be used more and more. And the master looks at that servant. And he says, you wicked servant. I mean, he calls him wicked. He says, you wicked servant. And the reason why he calls him wicked, I'll just give you a little insider information, is because he didn't know the heart of the master. Because if he knew the heart of the master, he wouldn't have said, I was afraid of you. He was so distant from his master relationally, he thought he was somebody to be feared, not, to be, not somebody to be loved. And he, and he takes what he had, and he gives it to the, to, the, to the servant who would turn five into ten. Because God is not looking for people just with vision. God is looking for people with capacity to do something with his blessings. God will not bless somebody who is unable to steward his blessings. And this is why, and th let, let me just tell you something about myself that, that I'm working on. Because this is my time for counseling. I've always struggled with comparisons. 
I've always struggled with comparing myself to somebody else and thinking, oh, I wish I could be like Marsha. I wish I could grow a beard like that. I, I do. Or Alex. Probably not AJ, though. I'm just kidding. Love you, AJ. I wish I, uh, no, I, or I wish I could preach like somebody. I wish I could, I wish I could be, I, could, I wish I could preach as practically as somebody like Andy Stanley. I wish I could tell stories like Stephen Furtick. I wish I could be as inspirational as T.D. Jakes. I wish I could be as encouraging as Chris Hodges. I wish I could be as witty as AJ. I wish I was as tall as Don. <laughs> or my wife. I wish I had the work ethic of somebody else. I wish I had the, the knowledge of another person. I wish I had the wisdom of, of you know, who, somebody. And, and, and this, is, this is what I'm learning. And just let me, maybe, maybe you struggle with that too. Maybe you see other people. You know, I see somebody spending time with their kids, and I'm like, ah, I wish I was as good of a dad as this person, or I wish I was as good of a husband as this person. I wish I had as much money as Carlos and Christy. No. I wish... <laughs> I wish, I wish I had a boat. <laughs> Christy's looking at me dirty. Carlos is like, I wish I had as much money as Christy does too. <laughs> That's an insider joke, y'all. Don't, don't go try to rob them. You won't get much. I'm learning that the only comparison I need to start making is the comparison of who I used to be versus who I'm becoming. That's better preaching than you're letting on. The only comparison that I need to be making is the comparison of who I used to be to, compared to the person that God's making me to be. Because God's not looking for another Stephen Furtick or T.D. Jakes or Don Miller or A.J. Underwood or Drew Moorhead. God is looking for you to be the man or woman of God that he created you to be. He doesn't need you to be somebody else. That role's already taken, right? And so the reason why, you know, comparison is, it's really, it's really robbing God of his gift to the world. So when I look at other people's lives and I think, man, I wish I had something like them, what I need to realize is that they have created capacity in their lives to receive something from God that I have yet to create capacity for to receive. And how much of God or of God's blessings you get is directly proportional to how much space you are willing to create for God to work in your life and through your life. It, it, if God, when he created Adam and he formed him in the ground, you know, Adam had lungs, right? And the Bible says that God breathed the breath of life into Adam. Had God filled Adam with more air than he had room enough to receive, it would have actually killed him more than, so than brought him to life, wouldn't it? And if God would bless, there's a lot of prayers that you're praying right now. There's a lot of prayers that I'm praying that I'm, I'm, I'm wanting God to come through on. I'm wanting God to do this. I'm wanting God to do that. But I am, I'm starting to understand that a lot of my prayers, God is not saying no. He's, not, he's saying not yet because he is waiting for me to start creating capacity for his answers to those prayers. Because if he were to answer them where I'm at right now, 
they would do me more harm than they would good. You know, I can pray for God to grow this church all day, every day, and I pretty much do, just to be honest with you. But as the pastor and as the leader of LifeHouse, if God grows this ministry faster and greater than I am able as an individual to grow in capacity as a leader and as a pastor, it will destroy me. And it would eventually destroy this church, this local church. And we, never mind, I don't need to do that. Let me just say this. You read stories and you hear stories about good people who love Jesus, who love their families. But then one day everything goes south in their life. Nine times out of ten, it's because their platform grew faster than their character. They're not bad people. Listen, somebody asked me, what do you think about Pastor so-and-so that failed? And I say, I, you, won't, you won't catch me saying anything bad about him because I know I'm nobody special. And that stuff could happen to me just as easily as it could happen to anybody else. Be careful who we judge. Anyway, that's, that's just bonus right there. That's extra. He goes on, he says, verse 16 again, he says, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. So here's a question for you. Why would God tell them to dig ditches in the middle of a valley? Because he wants them to go deeper. Because he wants them to go deeper. So where's the water going to come from? We know that God sends the water. There's two theories. You start looking in commentaries, you find, you find two theories. One of them is that they begin to dig deep enough that they actually hit springs underneath, underneath the, uh, the ground there. And overnight, God, or the earth that God made and God knew was there and God formed and God filled began to just fill up into those valleys. The other, the other theory is that, that rains started to fall in Edom and they began to wash through uh, the, the river valley there where they were. And had they not dug the ditches, there would not have been anything there to capture the water that God was blessing them with. It would have disappeared just as quickly as it showed up. God fills open spaces. God fills open spaces. And this is why... I think, and you do too, if you think about it, the devil tries to numb us so much to, with the things of this world so that we will not be hungry for the things of God. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall, for they shall be filled. For they shall be filled. Well, here's the problem. It's not that God doesn't want to pour out a blessing on us. Is that are we hungry? Are we thirsty? And if we're not hungry, and if we're not thirsty, I mean, has anybody ever uh, been, you know, you know, especially when you're a kid, and you get home from school or whatever, and, and your mom's cooking dinner, or your dad's cooking dinner, I, that can happen, amen, right? Come on, yeah. And, and, and you want a little Debbie, right? Can I get a witness? And my mom would always say, oh, you're going to spoil your dinner. And first of all, can I just say that never happened to me? I could eat Little Debbie's all day, every day. And I mean, you know, some, I kind of do sometimes. But, um, but you get full on junk, and then when the good stuff comes, you don't want it anymore because you don't have any capacity left to receive it. I was, I was in a prayer meeting one time, and this is going back to when I was a teenager. And we were praying, and 
one of the few times in my life where I can say I heard the voice of God inwardly speak to me. And, and I, can, I just, can, I, can I just talk to you for a minute? I'm not one of these people that will, all, will come around all the time to you and say, God told me. And, and if you're one of those type of people, that's cool. But don't talk to me like about that stuff because it'll make me jealous, okay? Because <laughs> very rarely in my life have I ever been able to tell you without any doubt, God told me. But this was a moment when I felt the Holy Spirit speak directly to me. And he told me something to the effect, you are so full of other stuff that there's no room for me in your life right now. And the stuff that you're full of isn't bad stuff, but it's not God's stuff. You're full of Netflix. You're full of video games. You're full of social media. You're full of, of 24-7 news. You're full of podcasts. You're full of conspiracy theories. Can I get a witness today? You're full of worry. You're full of concern. You're full of gossip. You're full of your hobbies. You're full of your desire to just get to the weekend so you can go do something else. You're full of so much stuff that there's no room for you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And for so many... I truly believe, and I, I'm scared to death to say this, because I know... I, I know, I, I've been in church for a long time, and talk is cheap, okay? And preachers will say anything to get a reaction. And as God is my witness, I am not doing that to you today. But I believe that we are living in the days of previval, okay? I believe with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, that the Holy Spirit of God wants to do something, not just in our church, but in churches all across our country and even our world. And I believe God is ready to blow up in this place and do something, and and. And, and I, but God is not going to pour himself out on a people who are not ready to receive what he has to offer. God is not going to give us something that if we are just going to allow it to be squandered. You see, had God sent that rain in those mountains and they would have washed through that valley before there was room to receive and to capture what God had, it would have showed up and it would have washed through and it would have looked incredible, but it would have left just as quickly as it had arrived. And God is not in the wasting business. And if God is going to pour something out on Lifehouse Church, if God is is going to pour something out in your life, if God is going to pour something out in our nation, he's not going to do it on a bunch of people who are so full of things in this world that we don't have room to receive what he has to give us. You got to make some space. You got to go deeper. You see, God will give you the word, but you got to do the work. You got to dig your ditch. You got to pick up a shovel. Some of y'all walking around with spoons saying, I got a shovel. No, you're just feeding yourself garbage. Throw that down and pick up a shovel and get to work and do something beyond yourself. I don't want to hear any more of this after church. Oh, that's a great message. No, I want to hear you say, that hurt my feelings a little bit. Because what you don't realize is I have to live with this a week before I give it to you. And it's already hurt my feelings. God will give you a word, but he won't do the work. God won't fill you because you need it. God will fill you because you've created space. 
God will not pour out his spirit on Lifehouse because we want it. God will pour his spirit out on Lifehouse because we've done the work to make the space for him to move and to do what only he can do. God will do what you can't do. I believe that. But God will never do what you can do. Is that worth repeating? God will do what you can't do. And that's comforting, right? Because there's a lot I can't do. But God will not do what I can do. You know, you know what you call a parent who does everything for their children? A bad parent. Because they are preparing their children for nothing but failure as they become adults. You know what a good parent does? A good parent will provide the tools, but they will not do the work. They will show and set an example, but they will not do the work. That's what a good parent does. And, and, and do you know who God is? He's a good father. He disciplines those he loves. And discipline just isn't about disciplining, but it's about creating a disciplined person. And a disciplined person will choose what they want most over what they want now. And there's a lot of things I want now, but I know what I want most. And what I want most is to see God move in my life, in our church, in our country, in East Tennessee. And God will do what we can't do. He will give us the tools that we need. He will give us opportunities. He will give us the word. And he will fill in the gap, but he will not dig the ditch. He will not create the space. So, you want God to bless your marriage? Can I just be practical this morning for a little bit? Can I be a pastor and not just a preacher? You want God to dig your ditch? How about you honor your husband, even when you don't like him? Oh, I'm not done yet. <laughs> and husband, how about you love your wife like Jesus loved the church? Oh, by the way, he died for the church. Maybe a husband would learn to die to his own preferences and desires, to put his wife above his own needs. <laughs> and maybe that means that you're not bad-mouthing your wife or your husband behind their back to your buddy. <laughs> I got one, baby. That's what I'm talking about. You want God to bless your marriage? Why don't you start being in church more consistently together? Why don't you pray together? Oh, that's hard though. That's hard. Nobody said it was going to be easy though, right? Maybe see a counselor. Want God to fix your kids? Can I get a witness? <laughs> How about you dig your ditch and you spend intentional time with them? Several months ago, I completely reorganized and rearranged my entire daily schedule so I could do one thing, and that was take my kids to school every morning because I recognized that this time that I have with them is short, and there is not many things in this world are a greater priority to me than investing time in my children. Dig your ditch. So you want your parent or you want your kids to get better? Maybe you need to just be a better parent. And, and, and here's the thing. Don't be looking at Peyton right now, I saw that. Here's the thing. If you don't know what to do, just ask for help. Be honest. Be, be open. Be real. Be transparent. Ask the Lord. Ask, ask God. You know, God, I want to do the work, but, but I need you to fill in my gap. And sometimes the gap is like, I don't know what to do. 
So show me what to do. Y'all are real, y'all were loud when I was talking about revival. Now you're quiet. Now you're like, man, I need to go to another church next week. You want a new job? You, you want to raise? Well, how about you start doing the job you have as unto the Lord, the way Paul tells us in Colossians, that we would work heartily, not as unto men, but as unto the Lord. You over there dogging your boss behind their back and you expecting them to give you a raise. That ain't, that's not how that works. You over there thinking, oh, AJ asked me to do this, but he don't know. That's not my job. Well, guess what? It ain't going to be your job much longer either because that kind of crap ain't going to fly. I figured you'd at least get, like, stand or something. Ain't nobody from main event here. You ain't worried about that. You start inviting more people to church. <laughs> he said they're working. They're working. Share the live stream. God's not going to bless you with a new job when you won't appreciate the one that he's already given you. God's not going to bless you with the raise when you're not suiting well the, the resources and finances that he's already entrusted you with. Oh, God, that you would increase me. Pray the prayer, Jabez, that you would increase my territory. Well, what are you doing with what you have? God, I pray that you would bless me financially. Well, you're selfish with what you already have. Why would God give you more to be selfish with? You don't even tithe. You don't even give to missions. Why would God give you more of his resources when you don't even give to people that are doing great things for the kingdom? Oh, God, I'm just so tired that you would just help me in my energy. Well, you won't even serve once a month at LifeHouse, so you just need to shut up about being tired because you ain't doing nothing worth talking about anyway. You okay? Oh, it was great. We're talking about revival. But listen, if we want revival, then we got to dig our ditch, which means that we've got to grow up, that we've got to be men and women of God, that we have to steward well what's been entrusted to us. God's not going to give us more when we don't use what we have. It's called being a grown-up. And there's a lot of 60-year-old men acting like babies because their mamas and daddies did everything for them when they were kids. And they didn't grow up then and they ain't grown up now. Well, guess what? It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up, Lifehouse. Let me tell you something. If you ain't serving and if you're not willing to start serving, I need you to make some room in these pews because we got people that God's bringing us that are ready to get involved. If you're not giving, if you're not being faithful and giving in tithes and offerings and dimensions, I'm going to hurt your feelings right now. And I'll feel bad about it later, but I don't feel bad about it right now. Listen, we're going to need you to find another church because we need to make room. Listen, I said it again. I know somebody, well, you make, somebody making fun of me right now. But no, I'm just telling you the truth. I want people here who are either, that either need Jesus or are actively doing everything they can to introduce other people to Jesus. And there is no room in the middle. There's no room in the middle. Either you need Jesus today or you need to start showing other people the way. And if you're not willing to, to do that, then you need to make room for somebody who needs Jesus. Because revival doesn't look like two-hour-long altar calls. Revival doesn't look like people falling out in the spirit. I've seen that all my life, and it ain't changed nothing. Revival looks like men and women of God growing up and being responsible with what God has given them and doing the work that needs to be done to see God move in their church. Listen, I'm preaching hard at you today because we can keep playing this game for the rest of our lives. We can keep doing the same old thing every Sunday and we can continue doing this work which is like spinning tires in mud. 
And we might feel like we're working hard, but we're not getting anywhere. So you want your marriage better? Then be do what the Bible says. Honor your husband. Love your wife. You want your kids to start acting right? Well, then you start acting right. You set the example. You want God to bless you financially? Then steward well what he's given you. You want God to give you more energy, more time? First of all, everybody's got the same amount of time, so don't be complaining about that. Start using what you do have. You're watching three hours worth of Netflix every night and wondering why you're tired the next day. It's because you stayed up late last night watching some show that has absolutely new, no eternal impact. Now listen, I'm not, I, I, sound like, I sound like a dad, don't I? <laughs> listen, I watch Netflix too. But my wife, you better nod your head. But when I'm saying, it's time to go to bed. It's time to go to bed, isn't it? And I still get up the next day. I still have time with the Lord in the morning. I still take my kids to school. I still do the things I need to do. I don't let those things affect my day. It's, it's, it's too practical for you, isn't it? Want God to heal your body? Oh, you know, you're ready for this. Won't you start eating better? Won't you go to the gym once in a while? <laughs> I feel like such a hypocrite right now. <laughs> but I try. I try. Come on, baby. I got a six-pack. You just can't see it. I like to keep things protected. Insulated. Go to bed on time. Stop filling your mind with emotional garbage and start filling it with the Word of God. You want God to speak to you? Read the Bible. I'm going to say that again. You want God to speak to you? Read the Bible. That's Him speaking to you. I told you a few weeks ago about how last year I went through one of the dark, probably the darkest season of my life. And if you missed that message, you can go back and listen to it because there's things I said that I am not repeating. But the thing that changed me the most was I just read the Bible. I don't mean like read it, you know, in the morning, an hour, or, you know, for some of you that's a lot. I don't mean I read a chapter. I mean like I would sit down and read Ezekiel in one day sitting. I'll tell you what, there was things in Ezekiel, like, first of all, Ezekiel's a little wild, I'm just going to tell you. But there was things in there that the Holy Spirit began to just do in me to change my perspective. I'd sit down and I'd read Isaiah. I, not, just, not just read like Philemon, you know, or Third John. <laughs> but those are great too, read those too. I just read the Bible. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me through the pages of this book. And even though the things that I were reading weren't specifically dealing with the things that I was personally going through, the Word of God just brings healing. Plain and simple. How many of you want to see God bless and grow this church? Then we've got to dig our own ditches. You've got to take responsibility for your own spiritual health. Listen, I want you to show up on Sunday not needing something from God. Now listen, if that happens, that's okay. Just don't let it be how you show up every week. Does that make sense? If you show up on Sunday every week needing something from God and you're not showing up on Sunday ready to give yourself to God, then that's a problem that you need to address in your relationship with Him. It's, it's one thing to have a bad week and be like, Lord, I need you today. And, and let's just be honest, we always need him 
every day, right? But I don't want you showing up to church every week saying, oh, God, poor, pitiful old me. I want you showing up Sunday to church like Shekiah did over here on the front row, like spraining an ankle, dancing before the Lord, ready to go. She's wore out. She wanted to go to bed at 8 p.m. tonight. She's so tired from how hard she worshiped today. And, and, and remember, when Elisha began to worship, he wasn't, he wasn't just surrounded by other people that were worshiping which is what a lot of you look like today. He began to worship. And as he worshiped, he heard from the Lord. Many of you today, you came hoping you would get something for God, but you sat like this. Because you ain't digging no ditches. You're just looking at a valley. Hoping God would do something when he's given you the tools to dig it. Come on, say dig it. I want God to help us dig it in this church. That you, that me, would be responsible with the blessings of Jesus and the gospel of Christ. That we would be good stewards with the finances, the resources, and the people that he's given us. That we would be responsible to steward our own spirituality well. That we wouldn't just show up looking to, to, to feed off of somebody else's flame, but that we would show up on fire for God ourselves. Don't you be walking into church yawning, sleepy and tired. You better get your rear end to bed early on Saturday night because God needs to show up in this place. And he can't do what he wants to do if you show up needing something every single Sunday. I am preaching so good right now. I want him to show up in our church. I want him to help us love our community in ways like never before. That you and that me, that each of us would, would be a bringer, that we would be inviting people like we never have. Man, Easter's coming up. It's the best time of year to invite somebody to church. You better, you better be inviting, inviting your family, inviting your neighbors, inviting your coworkers, inviting your friends. That we would be responsible in giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure toward God's work here. I've already said it again, but if you are not giving to, to LifeHouse, if you are not being faithful according to God's word in your tithes and your offerings and in missions, it's not a command, but it, if you want to be blessed, you got to be a blessing. And God's not going to bless a selfish person. He won't do it. It's not going to happen. That you would be faithful in those areas. And as a church, that we would become just as committed to those outside of these four walls as we are to those inside of these four walls. Just as committed. This is what Elisha said. He says, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet, everybody say yet. Yet, that valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. In other words, there's not going to be any wind. You're not going to see a sign of what God's about to do. It's because sometimes you just have to walk by faith. You're right. You know, like, listen, can I just talk about giving? Because that's a pretty practical, easy thing. You know, we've always been told, you know, you, you, if God blesses those who give. But you might be saying, well, Pastor Drew, I tithed last month and I didn't see any kind of increase. Can I just tell you, sometimes you ain't gotta, you're not going to see a sign. You just have to be faithful, not to your feelings, but to his word. Sometimes you just have to make the choice to believe those things that are not as though they were. Can I just tell you right now, I don't always feel God. 
There are, are, are days and sometimes there are even weeks that go by that in my mind, I think to myself, man, I just feel distant. I just, and nothing's wrong. I'm not doing anything bad or at least extra bad. I'm just <laughs> nothing, nothing different bad anyway. Oh God, and, and, and I just have to make the choice. God, I don't care what I feel. God, I don't care what I see. I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna obey. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter what I see. I'm gonna be faithful to your word. God, I don't feel like reading the Bible today. I don't feel like praying today. But it doesn't matter because my feelings will lie to me. My feelings will mislead me. I'm gonna depend on my faith, not my feelings in this moment. He said, you'll see no sign, you'll see no rain, you'll see no evidence yet. Everybody say yet. That valley shall be filled. How much water will God send? It's directly proportional to how deep you're willing to dig. It's probably my favorite verse in this whole story, verse 18. This is a simple matter. Everybody say simple matter. This is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. This is what I love about this. He says that you, you, can't make, you can't make water up here. You can dig a hole in the ground, but you can't make water come out of it. But to God, this is a simple matter. In other words, what's small to us, which is obedience, is big to God. What's big to us, the miracle, is small to God. What's, I'm going to say it again until somebody besides Crystal, as well as Crystal, gets excited with me today. Okay, let me say it another way. What sometimes seems stupid to us, dig a ditch. Why do you want me to dig a ditch? This is already a valley. I don't know. God just said dig a ditch. That sounds stupid. Well, it sounds stupid, but you know, if God said it, how about I just stop overthinking it and just start obeying? What's small to us or what's stupid to us is big to God. That's called obedience. But what's big to us, what's impossible to us, what's greater than we could understand to us is a small thing to God. It's small. And that's the miracle. So if we can be obedient to God, in the small things, maybe even the stupid things, maybe then we would see God be faithful in the big things. And we would see miraculous things. We would see great things. Will you stand with me? Lifehouse, it's time. Come on, say it's time. It's time to start praying bigger prayers and digging deeper ditches. It's time to pursue him in a way like we've never pursued him. Not seeking an experience, but seeking a life-changing encounter. Not just for our sakes, but for the sakes of those that God is yet to bring us. 
I said, it's time. It's time to start digging ditches. It's time to start drilling for some wells because we may not see the rain, but God says water's on the way. We may not, we may not feel the wind, but God says there's a move on the way. We, we, may, we, may, not, we may not see the water, but God says there's a harvest on the way. I am telling you, I feel it in my bones, and it is not preacher, cheap, get you riled up for no reason. We are living in pre-revival days. Pre-revival days, that's what I'm going to call it, pre-revival. God, God is ready. God wants to, but what he needs is a people who says, I don't care. God, you want me to dig right there? Okay, cool. I don't know. What, but sure, I'll dig here. Oh, this shovel's not big enough? I'm pretty tired, but you know what? You're God. Okay, I'll get a bigger shovel. I don't have any shovels up here. Okay, God. Oh, God, you say I'm too full of this? Oh, maybe, maybe I'll start putting that down a little more often. God, God, oh, oh, you know, maybe I, maybe I do need to spend intentional time every day in your presence and in your word. Not just five minutes before I go to sleep. Yeah, I'll dig. You just tell me where, God. God will give you the tools. God will give you the word. He won't do the work. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst in righteousness, for righteousness. Maybe today our prayer should be, God, make me hungry. God, make me thirsty. God, make me desperate. Desperate people do silly things. And God rewards people who do silly things. It's time to pray bigger prayers and dig deeper ditches. Those three kings and their armies, guess what? I didn't finish it reading it, but they received their water and they received the victory. It's pretty interesting. Go read through the rest of it. God gave it to them, but he gave it to them only after they did what they could do. And once they did what they could do, he did what they couldn't do. Are you ready to do what you can do? I said, are you ready to do what you can do? Yeah. I know, listen, it's 12-12. Y'all think, mm, it's time for lunch. But listen, we're digging deeper ditches today. You can eat on your own time. Maybe today is a day of fasting. <laughs> I hadn't had anything to eat all day today except two Red Bulls. So there you go. <laughs> Maybe should have made it three. Who knows? But listen, I, I want to take some time this morning. And if you've got to go, I won't criticize you. I understand if you've got plans and you need to go. But if you don't have plans, you better not leave, okay? The Lord will judge you. I'm just kidding. I love you. I'm just kidding. I love you. That is not the Lord. That was for me. Like Paul said, that's not God. That's just me. But today, if you're ready to dig deeper ditches, and, and you mean it, and you're ready to do the work, not just, not just hope the hopes, but do the work. I want to invite you to these altars as we gather together and pray and believe. Not that our needs would be met, but that our appetites would be so desperate for Him. Come on, if that's your prayer, step out in the altar. Come on now. Let's just gather together as a Lifehouse family. God, that you would make us hungry, that you would make us thirsty. 
Lord, that you would give us the vision, that you would give us the desperation that we need to to dig deeper ditches. God, to receive and to steward well the blessings of heaven, the outpouring of your spirit, the move of God in Oak Ridge and East Tennessee and Lifehouse Church. God, that we would see physical bodies healed. God, that we would see marriages restored. That we would see children come back to their parents. God, that we would see the lost saved. God, that we would see those who were addicted find freedom. God, that we would see... God, we would see those that are dealing with suicidal thoughts, Lord, that they would walk in victory and newness of life. Come on, church, let's pray. Let's pray together. God, that you would make us hungry. God, that you would make us thirsty. God, that you would make us desperate. Lord, that you, God, that you would give us a vision, that you would help us hear a word from heaven. And God, that you would give us the unction, Lord, to step out of what is easy, to remove ourselves from what is comfortable. And then, God, that we would pick up a shovel and we would just ask you to do nothing more than point. And Lord, that we would dig. God, that we would dig deep on our souls, that we would dig deep in our hearts, God. There's things in our lives that need to be excavated out of our minds and out of our hearts. Things, Lord, there may not be bad things, but God, they're taking up space. And you're saying today, God, that you need some space. You need some space to work in our hearts. You need some space to speak to our minds. God, that we would create some space, Lord, that God, as you pour out the rivers of living water on each and every one of us and over this church, God, that we would have that we would have removed some matter, Lord, and given you some, some, some space that we would create some capacity to receive from you, to hear from you, God, and to be used by you. Come on, church, would you lift your hands again? Let's worship. I can't stay here. Sleep to how you move. Come on, church. I can't stay here. Complacent anymore I can't stay here My heart is full of longing I can't stay here I know what I'm made for You're breathing new Come on, church. Worship like you did on the first song. Come on, let's dig deep. Dig deep. The sound of heaven's song, your spirit's calling me. I know it's time to go. I can't stay here anymore. I can't stay here. I've awakened to your whisper. I can't stay tell me there is more I can't stay here my heart beats like thunder I can't stay here I'm running for the door you're breathing new life into dry bones I hear the sound of heaven's song your spirit's calling me I know it's time to go I can't stay here anymore cause I'm ready for deeper 
I'm ready for a furious flood. I'm ready for glory. I'm ready for kingdom come. I'm ready for deeper. I'm ready for a furious flood. I'm ready for glory. I'm ready for king. One more time. I'm ready for deeper. I'm ready for furious flood. I'm ready for glory. I'm ready for kingdom come. I'm ready for kingdom come. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh, yeah. I give myself away so you can. One more time. I give myself away. Give myself away so you One more time. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. My life is not my own. To you. Give myself, I give myself to you. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. We're gonna pray. Jessica was talking about bringing our kids in. Let's let's pray for our children. But let's pray that we would be the kind of church that they grow up in where when they get to where we are, they will be light years ahead of where we are. And I pray in Lifehouse, as well as for every other church in our community, that we would begin to see an outpouring, not just of the fruit of the Spirit, but of the gifts of the Spirit. That, that tongues and interpretation of tongues would be evident in our congregations. And if that scares you, hey, that's okay. It scares me sometimes too. <laughs> that prophecy, words of knowledge, physical healings, mental, emotional, relational healings, that we would see miracles. I mean miracles, not the kind of miracles that we have to try to explain, but the kind of miracles that we can't explain. You know what I'm saying? That we would see it. And here's the deal. I, I, I got saved at 15 and I grew up in a church that was very, that, that, that revival culture was alive and active. But here's, here's the thing that separates that from what I believe God wants to do today. So much of what I saw then didn't impact anybody out there. And that's not, a, that's not a knock to anybody or any, it's not, I don't mean that in a derogatory way at all, but this is a new season. 
And God will not give us something in here that we will not steward to make a difference out there. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you so much for the ministry and the work of your Holy Spirit in our congregation. I thank you for those babies, God, that are learning your word. And, God, I pray that it would serve as a challenge to the adults, Lord, that we would become more passionate. God, not for Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime, but, Lord, for the word of God. God, that we would become hungry and thirsty to worship you and to hear from you and to be used by you. You said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. God, that we would be hungry like we've never been before. God, that we would do the work to create capacity in our lives for you to move and for you to minister and for you to do what only you can do. God, that you would give us the word and Lord, that you would enable and empower and inspire us to do the work. The work that you've called us to do that we would dig deep, God, so that we can receive in abundance. And we pray it in the strong name of Jesus and Lifehouse. Come on, let's celebrate. Amen. Amen. I love you, church. I promise I'm trying to preach shorter messages, but you see how that's working out. I love y'all. We'll see you here. Same Lifehouse time, same Lifehouse place next week.